Welcome back to Shrinking It Down, Mental Health Made Simple. I'm Gene Bresson. And I'm Steve Schlossman. And this is our first episode of this new season. It is. It is. All the kids are back in school. Boston's bustling again. It's actually why we're talking about what some will see as a kind of tough topic. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, suicide. Um, not because we want to bring people down, but because during this time of high stress, people are at higher risk. And we'd like to actually... Um, give it the time that it deserves so that we can maybe help folks to deal with their concerns. And this is Suicide Awareness Month. It happens to be Suicide Awareness Month probably because of all the reasons we just said. Exactly. That it's, you know, things are happening again. The more moving pieces there are in someone's right. life, actually right. the greater the stress goes up and the greater the risk yep. factors. So so one thing to begin with, just to put it in perspective, and, and this, is, this is kind of alarming, is that the suicide rates uh, among young people have been increasing tremendously. So it's not just kind of alarming. It's, it's extremely alarming. Yeah, I mean, this is something we were on top of until, what, the last 10, 12 years. Like, we were, we were winning this game. It wasn't great. I mean, it was still, what, the third or second leading cause of death? Thir- it was the third leading cause of death. Now it's the second. And it probably is approaching the first because, uh, because the first leading cause of death among young people is actually accidents. And we Which, don't know, how, we don't many know how many of those accidents those, right. are actually suicides. Right. So, so, um, so this but, is a big deal. Like but, this, this demographic or this epidemiologic shift in the demographics is something we ought to pay attention to. It's usually a signal, right? And and so, so let me just to throw out some numbers that are alarming. The Center for Disease Control, the CDC, uh, looked at uh, rates of suicide from 1999 to. 2014. And, and before you even say those, I want to just point something out. This is the CDC, which suggests that what they're studying is a disease, uh, which is a right. really important thing to, to note here. Suicide is not a disease. It's a symptom, though, of right. a disease, and we should think about that. Yes. A bunch of different diseases, or at least states, or syndromes. So what did the CDC tell us? Well, the CDC told us, for example, um, that it among girls age 10 to 14, it tripled in those years. What tripled, exactly? This The, the rate of suicide deaths. So girls who died by killing themselves, yes. which is a kind of grotesque way of putting it, but it's actually the way a lot of uh, folks yes. prefer to say it because we want it to sound a little unsettling. And more recently, there was a study at Harvard that was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association that said between 2000 and 2017, the suicide rate for, rate rose 47% among teenagers age 15 to 19 and by about 36% among those 20 to 24. And for the first time ever in any study, the rate of, of, the rate of increase of deaths by suicide among boys was higher than girls. Wait, let me just back up there. <laughs> Sounds so, a little confusing. It is. So when you say suicide rate, just so folks are clear, I mean, I think I know, I know what you mean. At least I think I know what you mean. You mean the number of people per the general population of, in this case, yes. a specific gender and a specific age range yeah. that have taken their lives via suicide, which is really the only way to take that's, your own that's life. That's correct. That's a good way of defining the rate. Okay. So we saw both the rate go up and we saw a faster increase in the rate among boys. Is that what you said? Yes. Then we seen before. Yeah. Now, what we do know about boys versus girls, for example, is that Girls tend to make, girls don't tend to, they make more attempts. Uh, Boys, when they do make attempts, 
are uh, more likely to die. to die by suicide than girls. Which has to do a lot with the, the means, right? Like, like girls overdose more often. You can often rescue people from an overdose. Boys will more typically use more violent means. Right. And these are gargantuan generalizations again, but it's what the, what the 35,000 right. foot view tells us. That's right. But if we get down to ground level, each uh, suicide, each suicide attempt, each experience is uniquely traumatic for the family, the individual, the community. It's true. So, so one of the things I think that we want to talk about, see, none of this, none of these data tell us why this is increasing. You know, in fact, nobody really knows exactly why it's increasing. Which is probably why we have so many theories right now. Everyone's spinning a theory. Well, there are lots of theories. So some of the most common theories are, I mean, when I go, when I talk in front of other people, like I just did this week and I asked them, these are clinicians, why is it going up? Social media, digital media, everybody raised their hand as, as, as a factor. Other things that people have talked about, the, the, uh, among young people, this is, par- this is the loneliest generation by some surveys um, ever in, 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 the, in every sector of the population. So loneliness, uh, isolation, uh, worries about you know, uh, climate change and economy and the economy, the future. Just I mean, worries, generally speaking, about the um, certainty of the future. This is the least certain uh, young adults have ever been about what they can expect as they get older. And, and it's led some, you know, you combine, if, if these are ac- in any way uh, accurate, loneliness, isolation, feelings of, of uncertainty or worries about the future, uh, and other stress factors such as pressures, all kinds of social pressures, um, academic pressures, work pressures. Um, uh, it's, 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 it's financial t- pressures. Financial. It, t- t- it tends to yeah. be a cumulative effect. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's so it's interesting. We can go through all of those uh, different risk factors or, or those speculative risk factors. But we know... And, and this has held up over a long time, that via psychiatric autopsies, which is the fancy way for saying after somebody dies by suicide, you go back and you talk to their doctors, their family, their friends, their teachers. We know that 90%, roughly 90%, meet the criteria for some psychiatric syndrome, uh, most often depression, depression. But some mood disorder, generally speaking. It means that 10% don't, right? So 10% uh, don't fall neatly into these, these psychiatric categories that, that we have. Uh, and those are more likely the impulsive suicides. The right. and, and teen suicides, generally speaking, are more impulsive than our adult. And ones. when you combine, say, depression, which is probably a huge risk factor. In fact, feeling biggest. suicidal is one of the symptoms of depression. Right. You combine that with um, substance use and with a history of having made an attempt. And those three factors tend to be the most commonly uh, cited. Com- those are, those that's are. a bad combination. Those are the three most common risk factors. Yes. That's on every every board exam. That's, you know, that's what we read all the time. It's, we read it because it's true. The problem with citing those risk factors is it tends to make people think, well, if there hasn't been a previous attempt or if I don't know if there's any substance abuse, no depression, my kid's going to be fine. Um, we're not trying to fearmonger here. What we're trying to say is that you want to take these risk factors with a grain of salt, take them seriously, but don't not ask your kid if you're worried because they lack these risk factors. And and there is nothing to worry about in asking them. So so if you if you're concerned as a parent, um, it's the myth is is that if you ask, 
you're going to actually... You'll put the idea in their head. That's right. You'll make it worse. You'll make it happen. You, uh, and, and, and that's really the biggest myth. It's, and it's not, it's not just a concern with parents. It's a concern in, among counselors, teachers, uh, other uh, clinicians, clergy. Uh, clergy and, yep. and in fact, to the extent that it's been studied, it's a hard thing to study, but to the extent that it's been studied, it doesn't make things worse. And kids who have been asked always say, at least in every one of the studies, say, I'm really glad you asked. Yeah, they're relieved. Yeah. They might roll their eyes and say, God, no. No, I wasn't <laughs> thinking that at all. Right. But then you find out, and that leads us to something else, which is getting into the details exactly. is okay to do. In fact, it's a good idea to do. And, 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 and so asking about – so there, there are some details that are really important. One is there's suicidal thinking or, su- or what's – technically called suicidal ideation, then there's suicidal intent, right. and there's a suicidal plan. And the more granular the plan is, the more detailed it is, the more the kid has the means to do it, the more they've actually gone to the bridge uh, that they are planning to, to jump. Scoped jump it out. Scoped it out. Yep. Those things are really, really critical because the more detail you get, the more you can understand how close they are to actually doing something. Right, right. So, for example, gun policy aside, this is not a political discussion about gun policy. We all know that gun enthusiasts or non-gun enthusiasts believe that guns ought to be locked up in the house. Guns are the most common way that um, people will take their own lives, generally speaking. They're the most robust predictor of a suicide in the house for all ages. It's something like 67, 68% of suicides. Well, no, if you have a gun in the house, you're 67% more likely to um, have a suicide in that house unless that gun is secured. Um, so you secure the means by which they can take their lives. But you also ask the kids, have you thought about how you might do yeah, this? Yeah, there are other kinds of means. Like some kids might be stockpiling medications right. and pills, uh, which is another thing. Or, 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 or actually putting ropes around their neck and, 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 and pulling them to see how long it's going to take them to not – to, to, to be able to stop breathing because hanging has, in, in some studies... Well, hold on. I'm just going to put you on the spot. So say you're one of the parents. Yeah. Um, and, and you may have been. I don't know. You and I haven't talked about this in, more personally, but how would you ask your kid? It's your kid. You're not in your office right now. It's your kid. What, well, would, you, what would you say? Well, first of all, I, I would... You know, parents know their kids the best. If I noticed a change in my kid, if I noticed that they were more depressed or they were more isolating and more... They were, you know, more irritable or the, the, there was a change. I would ask them how they were feeling. I would start with an open-ended question and see where they go. And then I would say, you know, you seem to have changed a little bit. You know, can you tell me a little bit about what's going on? And then I'd, I'd, I'd be very direct. I'd say, you know, have you thought about hurting yourself? Have you thought about taking your own life? Have you had thoughts about it? And it's not an easy thing to, to ask. But what percentage of people think about killing themselves in the general population? Well, among youth, we know that among ninth to 12th graders in the youth risk behavior survey that's done every two years, about 20% have seriously thought right. about suicide. But that is a very large number compared to those who actually make an so attempt. So that's why I'm pointing that out. So if your kid says, yeah, like let's say you, you happen to have a really honest, great relationship <laughs> with your kid and they say, you know what, now that you ask, I have thought about it. And then I would say, okay, because about 8% will make an attempt. So then I would say, okay, now you've had those thoughts, but have you ever actually tried to do something to take your life? Have you made an attempt? How, do you have a plan? To do that. So I would be very specific about have you tried? And I, and I would ask, what stops you? That's a really 
important question because for both kids and for adults because yeah. there's certain things that hold us in this world. Yeah. I mean, the two, I think the two most important ones that, that I, I know both clinically and in research, one has to do with religion and spirituality. Assuming that you are a religious Assuming person. Assuming that you're a religious person. Yeah. And the other one uh, is relationships and yeah. how it would affect the people whom you love and who love you. So, so you would ask your child... And I'm asking this rhetorically because it is the right thing to do. You would say, have you thought of hurting yourself? Have you thought of taking your own life? I know these are hard questions to yeah. ask, but I would never forgive myself if I didn't ask, and I, and I ought to have. Right. And if you have, do you have a plan? Have you acted on that plan? What stopped you from acting on it? And then I'm going to get you some help, mm-hmm. right? What are things people can do in the community? Well, that's, that's a very important question because it's not just talking with our kids, but it's talking with each other. So there's a, there was a program, I believe it was in, in Worcester, Massachusetts, I'm not exactly sure where, where they did something which was quite novel. And actually, most people were afraid to do it. They brought parents who had lost a child by suicide with parents whose children had made attempts and they had a conversation with each other about, about, about how they dealt with these situations and, and how they could move ahead in, in their lives. And it actually was an incredibly powerful experience for everybody. So for parents to talk with other parents about it. And, and for people to do their very best to uh, rise, um, I was going to say rise above the shame, which is a hard thing to say, but it, people feel a lot of shame when they've uh, had a suicide attempt in their life or someone who's died by suicide, help them with that shame. This is not something to be ashamed of. And, and, and speaking of shame, okay, how, how do parents, if a parent knows that another parent's child had um, mentioned an attempt about suicide, how do you talk to another parent about having a child who's made an attempt? Because we, you know, in, in many of our communities, we either know about a suicide or we know about suicide so attempts. what you don't do, this is going to sound like a double negative, what you don't do is not talk to them. In other words, you talk you to talk them. You talk to them. Yeah, that's going to protect well, what everybody. Questions, what questions, what would you advise parents who know that another parent's child has made an attempt how would you? How would you? What would? How would you coach them on on asking? Yeah, I think I would talking about. Yeah, it? it's really obviously it's hard, but I think I would say, um, I heard Sally has had a rough time. Actually, tried to hurt herself. Is how are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything I can do? Uh, is there a way that we can be helpful to you? This this ought to be treated. Look, um, my wife had breast cancer ten years ago. It was awful. It was about the best prognosis breast cancer you could have, but it was still malignant breast cancer. We had more lasagna in our front step than I ever want to see again. Everybody <laughs> brought by a casserole, one after another mm-hmm. after another. I don't know why we don't do the same thing when somebody tries to hurt themselves in a family. Well, it's that pro- family's under stress. Well, yes, and it's probably because it's highly stigmatized. It's felt to be shameful. So we could it, deal with that stigma by bringing over the lasagna, saying, I know you're going through a rough time. Food. Yeah. Community. We will feed you. So one important yeah. concept here is that we have to be able, willing, and 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 uh, and make an effort to actually talk about these things that previously had been shameful or taboo. I mean, yep. and and decrease it decreases the stigma, and everybody is relieved. Right now, we don't want to decrease the stigma of suicide per se. By that, I mean we don't want it to be okay to 
to kill yourself. Right. I mean, and that's actually sometimes the mistake that's made in in the you know the um, way it's dramatized on TV. Like like people who take their own lives are sort of seen as as romantic figures, and that's why there's all these guidelines on how to report on this. Well, that's that's the so-called contagion or copycat effect. And what we do know is that the way it's talked about by journalists has an impact. And and for example, when a celebrity. You know, a real celebrity or or, or a, fict- a fictional cele- celebrity, yeah, fictional suicide in, in drama, right. has taken their life by suicide. That adolescence, there's about a two week window in which this contagion or copycat event happens. So their guidelines don't sensationalize it, don't romanticize, don't romanticize it. it, don't glamorize it, don't make simplistic answers. You know, well, like she broke up with her boyfriend, so she killed herself. And it's also to look at the consequences and the impact rather than, you know, the 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 the, the, the details yeah. of, of 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 the event. Yeah. So I mean I think we could we could talk about this for a long time. We haven't even begun to or we didn't even mention the black box warning for the SSRIs, right? Like the the antidepressants that we use we, have on them a warning that they cause suicidal thinking like that the FDA has issued that, that you and I have talked about in the past, which generally we think that's a bad idea because it makes people less likely to prescribe the very medicines that are going to prevent the suicide in the first place. And, and it, it, makes, it makes doctors uh, less likely to prescribe antidepressants. So, and, and we know that, that that's uh, not a great idea when, 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 a, when a child has depression. But we also know that, that when parents read about that, they may not be likely to kind of even welcome uh, the recommendation well, that's for an antidepressant so that, too. So that segues nicely into the last part of this discussion, which I think ought to be: um, What do you do? Let's say your your child has decided that um, that they need some help, or you've decided that your child needs some help. So there are lots of resources. I mean, pediatricians and primary care physicians, uh, uh, guidance counselors at school uh, that are generally overwhelmed with lots of things, but they will pay attention. Um, uh, uh, clergy, uh, folks who actually know your kids and work with your kids can be tremendous local resources. Um, you can always go to your local mental health center or your emergency room if you're really worried. I mean, just do something and don't just sit, don't just sit on it. And there are, and, and, and besides going places, you know, learn about it. I mean, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, the Jed Foundation, uh, the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, the American Academy of Pediatrics, are all have wonderful websites that actually give you guidance about uh, how to approach this if you're worried about it. And I, I want to stress here also that as the as the ways that we've made it appropriate, and that's in big quotes, to be a boy or a man have gotten narrower and narrower. We need to give uh, the boys in our world, in our community, the permission to be able to talk about what they're feeling. Um, it's not something that you suck it up and just deal with. This is something where you, you do better by reaching out to your, your parents and to your friends and to the community. In, in fact, more often than not, parents are finding out about their child's suicidal thinking from their child's friends. Um, right. And so friends, you should take that seriously. And uh, when peers will to talk to peers, whether they're talking or texting or whatever, and and then and and the recipient of of that text or that digital conversation, that Instagram or whatever, should 
not have to bear that burden alone, but should go to somebody, go to an adult, go to, go to somebody, go to your parent and, and, and express concern. I mean, you're not ratting on another kid by, by keeping it to yourself. No, no. It's, uh, I can see very much how kids would feel that way. Oh, absolutely. But, but this is not a time where you, you would much rather err on the side of, of being wrong. Yes. Right? Then err on the side of yeah. not doing something when you wish you had. Yeah. Um, so we, we could talk for a long time, but I'm sure folks have questions. And if they do, they ought to, they ought to get back to us about it. Um, now, oh, one, one thing that we didn't mention, and that is, is that suicide might happen even with the best possible prevention no, no, that it's, parents it's, and teachers and, yeah. and, 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 and physicians. I was going to, I was going to say, it, so it, like, it, it's something that, that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Growing up. So, so my dad was an intensive care doc, which I mentioned here, his patients died by definition, right? That's what happens in the intensive care unit a lot. He would come home. He'd be in a lousy mood when that happened. Uh, the families would be sad. He'd go visit the families. But it was like it was a death that happened because someone was sick. And I realized right when I started my psychiatric training that we don't look at those kinds of deaths in the same way that my dad did. And yet these are deaths by disease also. They're seeking cl- clinical help. We can't always win. Sometimes the disease is bigger than us. We try as hard as we can. I've had one suicide in my practice. It was devastating, but it was also a learning experience. I'm still close with the family, and I talk to them a lot. I think uh, even with the best of circumstances, this will still happen, and people should not yeah. feel ashamed if right. it does. We do the best we can, but we can't prevent adversity or, or bad things from happening. Right, right. So uh, more on this at some other time and please if 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 you're listening um and you have questions or comments or you want more advice just let us know and we can always you know pick up on on some of the things that you're worried about yeah so steve um on a brighter note we gave we made a challenge at the end of last season and the challenge was actually just to be clear the first challenge is to remember what that challenge was because it was <laughs> which i actually didn't ago. remember before the yeah. podcast until uh, Sarah told me, um, and 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 it was to think of. We some... should be clear that Sarah is our producer. Just... She is okay, and our director of communications yes. at the Clay Center. Yes, okay. Now you can talk. <laughs> okay, so the challenge was to do something over the summer in your community that would be a contribute to make a contribution. So, how did you meet that challenge in your community? Are you asking me? I, I'm asking I, I you. I was hoping you that was, you would go first. Well, and I, I, I'm happy to go first. But <laughs> um, So there were a couple things I did. Um, I participated in the Porch Fest of both uh, my town and a neighboring town, which was really, really, really cool. Porch Fest, if folks don't know, is a national phenomena where people just open up their porches, uh, often for music, but it could be for anything. It could be food. It could be cooking classes. It could be singing. It could be art projects. It's just a really cool thing. And people wander from house to house on a beautiful day or a rainy day, doesn't matter. And you, um, you take part, you, you meet people that you wouldn't have otherwise met. I did that. And then, um, I, for some reason, maybe this is when you, you start to get a little bit older, I decided I wanted to garden. And so I started growing (laughs) vegetables. I grew tomatoes, as they say in Britain, I guess, um, and peppers and strawberries. And whatever the squirrels didn't get, I got. 
Um, and that got me out in the front yard where I was growing them, talking to the other neighbors who were growing them, and we swapped. Uh, I know this sounds like an incredibly boring suburban story, which would make my kids wince in hearing it, <laughs> but it actually made me talk to my, my neighbors in ways that I hadn't. And we didn't just have to talk about how's work. And I was just uh, did you just walk around the neighborhood like with a little basket of your of your fruits and no, vegetables? No, it's just the neighbors that you know <laughs> I'll, I'll just see in passing, but they'd stop and admire the garden, and I'd admire theirs. So it was fun. Yeah. Well, I I, I have I'm, a, I'm an avid gardener, as you know, and and um, but but the other thing, but what I've done, which is analogous to that, is is two years ago we got a bunch of chickens, <laughs> hens, um, and we have these beautiful organic eggs. Um, which, you know, we hand around people. I'm envious. Yeah, well, you know, but actually the ones oh, that we, we got. I'm sorry. There's one more thing I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. We, we, we brought in a mama cat and four kittens to foster him, which, oh. which gave us connection with the um, folks at the animal rescue place, which I wouldn't have otherwise met because we had to report back off. We had to weigh the stupid kittens every day. Um, and stupid just because getting a kitten to sit in a bowl where you can weigh her or him is really, 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 really difficult. Yeah. Um, they go back on Tuesday and I'm really going to miss them. We had them all summer. Uh, and they have grown, and they're all over. They've met their weight limit of three pounds. That's Mama's cute. ready to go. So that met, got me in touch with a whole different community, which was cool. So you're a foster parent. I'm a foster parent <laughs> for these four kittens, all of whom are named after snack foods, Dorito, Cheeto, Skittles. Captain Crunch? Uh, no, Fluffernuffer. <laughs> Fluffernuffer is the, the run. Fluffernutter. Yeah, Fluffernutter. Yeah, she's my favorite, but yeah. she's, she barely made three pounds yesterday. Wow. Which, yeah. So what? What I, I mean, in in the spirit of kind of um, political action, I guess you could call it. Um, uh, I uh, joined in with many neighbors, uh, many neighbors, to um, to fight the man. To fight, the, 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 there's a development that's planned uh, or, or bordering on conservation land right behind my house, which happens not to be conservation land. And it would take down six acres of trees, and it would it would disrupt vertical pools. But more importantly, it's really a huge safety risk. And you know, um, I mean, I'm not intrinsically opposed to development, but um, this particular place is is dangerous. And so we've gotten together with you know uh, many many neighbors to actually um, uh, to try to make a difference, to try to stop. Uh, stop it in a place that it doesn't really belong. Uh, there's wildlife back there. It's part of the historic part of, of, of my town. Um, it's, um, and most importantly, it's dangerous. It's, it's a dangerous place. So uh, we've gotten together. We've organized. We've written documents. We've, uh, you know, taken some neighborhood community political action to kind of like... I'm, I'm just waiting for the news when there's like a, a sit-in <laughs> In the suburb that you live in, in like the mayor or the town council's office. Well, no, the, actually, it's interesting. The the the, the board of, sel- of select persons, persons of my town, well said, uh, uh, have voted against it, as along with many other committees and boards. Um, and so it's 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 a it's a we have support, but the state um, can override. But this, but but you know, uh, it's it's very very hard to win these battles, and and I felt so much closer to my neighbors and and to the land behind my house you know which i've walked through with my kids and my dogs over over 35 years you know yeah. It's, it's yeah you should bring the developer some eggs <laughs> i don't <laughs> i should throw some eggs no 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 nonviolent nonviolent right, means okay always no nonviolent egg. 
I think that's about it. Well, that's about it for today. So uh, thanks a lot, uh, and uh, do come back and uh, listen to us again. I'm Gene Bereson. And I'm Steve Schlossman. Thanks for listening.